Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Bonjour, Pete. I thought you'd be taller. Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 307, season 3, part 7, Dominion, comes to you now via Cognitive functions only beat let's hit some news from the fleet before we dive on into this week's episode uh had a jolly old time talking yesterday mandalorian chapter 21 uh jolly jolly roger pirate themed episode uh just wonderful from top to bottom yes yeah, so you want to plunder that booty get yourself over to either the mandalorian podcast feed by fantastic geek or catch them all on the pop culture podcast by fantastic geek feed in the marvel cinematic universe uh pete you are telling me through your secret connections that there will be a secret invasion trailer tonight during the bases ball match between team one and team two uh probably confirming the june 21st release date pete in the world of marvel slowdown the fact that Maybe Secret Invasion was supposed to come out in February. Now it's coming out in June. That's a major slowdown. Well, I mean, we'll find out tonight if they reveal the date. Probably will. Um, This with Guardians of the Galaxy tickets going on sale as well tomorrow. So, uh, you know, maybe trying to blow off the public perception about Ant-Man and Wasp, Quantumania, although we enjoyed it and our podcast up for you has been for some time on the Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek. But we'll bring you our impressions of that trailer and a secret invasion update both to that podcast feed and our Marvel feed. Indeed, weirdly, in the last three months, it's been chaos on the bridge, not for Star Trek, not for Star Wars, but the venerable, you know, nigh unheardable uh, Marvel Studios here. So an interesting discussion to be had tomorrow, regardless of whatever news is shared. Uh, Pete, as we kind of briefly alluded to yesterday, uh, talking Mandalorian, uh, a part of the, the key conversation here now um, a Starfleet Academy show announced this week, one hour after a, the Hollywood Reporter had an article about Paramount Global having a credit downgrade, uh, and that credit downgrade largely due to their streaming operation. Um, I still continue to think with First Contact Day later this week, and it a natural point to announce things for Star Trek, the fact that what really appeared to be a rushed announcement... A, even if everything in there is completely true and the timeline was already determined, I think that they rushed the announcement in order to counteract bad Paramount streaming news. Uh, but that nonetheless does not take away from the fact I'd love to see a Starfleet Academy show. Obscured in that announcement, which makes it pretty clear it's going to happen in the Discovery time frame. Uh, did you see who has announced she is on the uh, writing staff for that? Yes, Tony Newsom, your lead in uh, in Lower Decks, will be in the writing room. Again, only adding like that—that's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. 
kind of creatively, I'm somewhat torn. Do I want it in the Discovery era? Do I want it, you know, in, in more of the, the, you know, Kirk Picard uh, Enterprise era somewhere in there? You know, I have some thoughts, but um, place it when you want. Again, the fact, like, it would have been such a cool Star Trek Day thing. Oh, wait, now there's a special, Pete, there's a special announcement on the YouTube at 5 p.m. What is it going to be? Boom, here it is, announcement. And Tony, like, it's such a great package. I don't know why they packaged it so poorly, or rather, yeah, I have you, my suspicions. You know why they uh, sprung the trap on that a little early. Oh, uh, wait, wait, a uh, problem? Shoot, not anymore. <laughs> um, But... Uh, Pete, bringing it squarely to Star Trek Picard, Terry Madalus has uh, spent a lot of time on the old Twitter this week responding to fans' uh, concerns about the lack of Marina Sirtis in this episode. Um, Jerry Ryan doubling down. The statement made, Pete, that some people were in the show as much as they wanted to be, which itself was kind of a weird like, fans want more Troy. Don't worry, says Terry Madalus. She's coming. Jerry Ryan says, Essentially, people could have been in it more if they wanted to be a weird week, a weird week for Trek official dumb on Twitter. Terry Madalis has been over gracious with his time on social media, cannot complain about his commitment to interacting with fans. That being said, if I was him, I'd interact a little less, given some of the corners of quote-unquote fandom. Um, he is inadvertently acknowledging. Um, he has said that Marina Surtees returns full-time beginning with episode eight, the last screened uh for critics and uh okay cool uh this with the continued promise of what he's termed as hail mary cameos um at the same time talking about how people have overblown cameos something that we'll definitely get into more in theories but when he needs to temper fan anticipation based on episodes in the last couple weeks and say no why would you want things like that that's that, how could you think that oh because episode made us think that it's it's a weird time pete it's a weird time indeed shall we head into the mission briefing yes A whistle echoes in the vastness of space as the Titan hides in the Chintaka scrapyard, where Seven of Nine sits in the captain's chair asking an unseen person where Riker is. The voice of Tuvok tells her he has no knowledge of his whereabouts as the camera turns to see a slightly aged captain seven looks to her right where Tavin and shaw perform a voice analysis and nod to her in affirmation to her left picard nods for her to continue as she asks about contact with admiral janeway who he acknowledges is preoccupied with frontier day logistics 
36 hours out and the entire fleet assembling. She asks for help and the analysis comes back inconclusive. Seven compares the precarious situation to their games of call toe, which brings a faint smile to his face. He wants to arrange a meeting and Seven says she has safe harbor on Akalon 7, where she underwent a procedure to stabilize her neural pattern. He agrees and she confronts him that a Vulcan would never go there after the anti-Kolinar demonstrations and that her brain was healed on Voyager with a mind meld from her friend Tuvok. Pete, that's because this Tuvok is actually a shapeshifter. Uh, dramatic reveal. I'm so glad, Pete, I wasn't pinning my hopes on an awesome Tuvok uh, cameo this week because we didn't get him. Uh, so where is Will Riker, you fakey Fakerton? Uh, the changeling uh, changes his look there, look, to look like a near-dead Riker um, and the promise that all will be dead soon. Uh, with that, the connection is cut. Jordy, uh, who's also on the bridge, says that they can't keep doing this. Uh, perhaps it is time to accept things, which is the perfect uh, just slow pitch to Picard, who says they're on their own. We get the title card, Part 7, Dominion. Uh, we are still in the junkyard as uh, important folks convene in the conference room. It's referenced that Worf is still out there searching for Riker. Uh, Jordy is running out of resources to keep them hidden. And wait, speaking of running out of place, how about running out of time? Frontier Day is hours away. Crusher wonders if she could create a biological weapon to target them, like in Deep Space Nine, uh, which would be an act akin to genocide, like on Deep Space Nine. Picard tells her to keep researching, and they can talk more if it becomes uh, an actual product that she has. As for the theft of Picard's body, in case you forgot that that's the carryover thread from last week's episode, perhaps the changelings are trying to come up with the perfect doppelganger uh, so that they can pass the ID requirements, uh, given that uh, Picard has a major role in the Frontier Day fleet exercises. Uh, they should talk to someone who might know more. Pete, who is that? That is whatever we are going to try to call data lore before Sung. Uh, I think we should call him data all access or data plus <laughs> data plus my, my notes legitimately uh, call him data plus who awakens and needs to be brought up to speed since his sacrifice on Shinzon's scimitar. Well, Pete, Pete, you, you are blowing over the thing that lit up Twitter this week. Okay, the fact that Picard calls Alondra LaForge, uh, LaForge lieutenant when clearly she only has one pip. How could such a thing happen, Pete? Was it a field promotion? Is it a is it a preview that Picard's going nutty? Or maybe was there just a continuity error that made its way from script to filming to post-production and she still is a, an ensign? Your thoughts, Pete, on this barn burner of a topic? I haven't really looked at Alondra's um pip so i can't tell you we know that um sydney's an ensign do we definitively know that uh alondra is pete there's a goof in the episode where 
beloved actor uh patrick stewart either read the script wrong or there was an error in the script and he read the error regardless he calls her lieutenant and she's an ensign and people are really upset about it and it's like uh-huh. it's like all the way back to classic i'm Trek sorry where... people are upset about yeah. a fictional thing with a i mean tertiary doesn't really cover it right like <laughs> like, like a, a, a mistake was made with a There's... background character yeah um, do you remember the time in Classic Trek? I think it was the whole Red Hour thing where a rock hits somebody and it bounces off their head. What does it mean? What's the symbol for? How about they threw a piece of rubber painted like rock, rock and it bounced off a stunt guy? Like, okay, I'm telling you, Pete, much digital ink was spilled over this this issue. And it, I think we're all in agreement. It's not really an issue. They got a thing wrong. No big deal. Next. I was more caught up in, you know, them catching data up. Data plus. Forgive me. Okay, up on the events of the end of a movie and a couple seasons of this show that he missed. Um, but he quickly slides uh, quite deliciously, I would add, into lore. And Jordy explains the unit, Data Plus, is home to these competing personalities where Sung and B4 operate only as memory files. Um, data says Sung research indicates an anomalous form inside Picard's body that Pete believes he's cracked. I'll tell you all about it in theories and that the previous diagnosis of aromatic syndrome is in question. He switches back and forth between the personalities asking for help, which is too much for Picard and they shut him down. Jordy's hands are tied by the complexity of this version, and he doesn't want to lose data, something they don't think they can live through again. On the Shrike, the character that the subtitles refer to as Face gets a report, a report from Vatic. This is uh, not a uh, crossover with the A-Team. Although, Pete, <laughs> although... If somehow your big bad is Barkley, then it kind of is. <laughs> Maybe it's right in front of us. Wow. Could you... um, <laughs> hey, Pete, uh, I know we have. Are you saying that the changelings pity the fools? <laughs> uh, I'm saying that we have talked about a lot of people who could cameo. Um, I'd love to see Dwight Schultz return in these remaining three episodes. But, but within this. Be... A Hail Mary or simply just a Mary? Well, Pete, let's stick with this tangent for 30 seconds longer. Isn't the Hail, like, what, Pete, you're, you're a former full-time sports reporter. Can you tell me when does one use a Hail Mary play in the footest ball? Like, under what emotional situation? Desperation. Yeah, so to call it a Hail Mary versus like, you know, I know I said barn burner before, a barn burner of a a cameo, a thriller. For Matalus to say a Hail Mary, that just makes me think like, yes, that's what you do when you're behind. And when you pull it off, it's amazing. It is amazing to see a Hail Mary pass at the end of a game and it lands just right. And now your team has won by one point. Like, it's beautiful. But Pete... I'm no professional writer like Terry Madalus. I'm sure he m- meant what he said. Anyhow, Face getting a report from Vatic 
Vatic does not does not anticipate getting any more information from her captured folks, the the comrades in arms, the Jean Luc Picard. Um, she is, however, told to do whatever is necessary. Why? Because we do have a through line here. They must have the boy. Uh, Vedic here is referenced, and obviously we're going to have full understanding later in the episode, as kind of of her kind, separate from the kind of face. So I think we can, you know, with full view of the episode here, say that she and the the augmented changelings are are considered to be separate from and not necessarily equal to the core changelings um message ends indeed i do kind of like i like the the implication here that face is somehow um shocking her or energy surging her or whatever and making her kind of appear a bit more gooey um and when she returns to her chair i beat first view i thought i saw a tear sliding down her face second view i didn't see it regardless i think the emotion emotionally whether there is literally a tear going down her face emotionally that's where she's at with the the, the pain of the tear going down the face we'll break all that down in theories in a turbo lift jack continues to hear calls to connect them as he and Sydney are left alone to discuss quarters aboard the uh, diminished, diminishing crew uh, aboard the Titan. Uh, she thinks he's flirting and about him touching her hand, which he hears and acts upon before she leaves the list, asking him why he did that as his eyes glow red and the vines darken the quarter. On the bridge, he joins his father, who asks how he is only to be interrupted by another trace attempt from Starfleet. Seven says it's a compromised prefix code, which they determine is Riker from the Shrike. Shaw orders Esmar to scramble comms and Jack speaks privately to Picard about his guilt and the possibility they let Vatic find them and trade him for Riker. An interesting discussion because much of the first third of the season was about do we hand Jack over or not? So it was we're 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 retilling the field here. Um Jack feels something is wrong with him deep down uh, he can hear people in his head. Good acting moment as he touches his head. Uh, Picard suggests that Jack not give up on himself. Uh, and how can they get an advantage? Uh, Jack kind of almost rhetorically wonders. Well, Picard wonders if indeed they do have an advantage and knows how they can get uh, Vatic in what we are told is open space alpha quadrant, which I thought was interesting because... I guess I just initially thought, oh, they're still at the uh, Chintaka scrapyard. Um, and I'm not quite sure what it gets us to call it open space alpha quadrant. But uh, I guess just if nothing else, we're not at the scrapyard. Uh, the Shrike finds an apparently almost dead uh, Titan. Uh, dialogue tells us that there's a Vulcan ship equally uh, dead slash almost dead near it. Logs suggest that it took out the Titan before uh being hit by one presumes one last torpedo um I, I think we can infer pete though dialogue does not confirm this they probably took a vulcan ship from the scrapyard went to somewhere in open space and have staged this whole thing 
Vatic preps a boarding party. They're not going to beam over. Um, not quite sure why, but they're going to take a shuttle over. Uh, and TikTok goes the ancient clock. Time to go get Jack. On the Titan, uh, Vatic uses her Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan trademark tracker to scan for life signs. And the audio special effect helps her to see the crew scattered like rats. And Jack, who she thought would be taller, tells her it's too late and everybody's dead. But she just wants to take him to a better place, which he asks about. She maintains it'll be so much better to show him in episode eight than tell him. And he takes off her goons chasing after him uh, that he and Sydney snipe at before seeking refuge behind force fields. Jack vaporizes one and Vatic finds him when they trap her. Uh, her goons join them, but Vatic holds him off uh and jack uh opens fire to chase him away uh he catches back up with sydney safely behind the force fields this is far from the first shoot gun episode of television or phaser use episode of star trek where sometimes the phaser is set to kill and you have perfect aim and other times Jack fires three times and misses. We're going to have a firefight later on where Crusher and Picard are ready to make the murder, but instead have it, I guess, set on stun. So I just want to point out, like, I'm not being overly critical of the episode because many episodes do this, but I don't know, like we say many, many times before, oh man, they've got us in an Veratagon ray. That means the kill setting won't work on our phasers. Then all these kind of issues go away because i think pete it's okay to shoot and kill here okay respect life no kill i the whole thing um but regardless regardless as as you say jack on the run again uh pardon me not jack not on the run jack and sydney trapped between those two force fields no problem though they're just gonna get beamed out right well jordy can't beam them out who could be doing this? What sort of force could be literally plugged into the computer system? I guess with no regard to like, like again, with I don't want to be gigantic glowing blue wire. Well, yes, but like th this is where you know sci-fi that acts like you since sci-fi could go anywhere because it's fiction. You know, I think there's a limit to how much one should complain. But here's the flip side, Pete. I'm sure we've all heard of, like, the hacking maneuver, whether all the way from, you know, supposedly, like, Israeli spies all the way to, like, spam people or whatever. Like, you don't plug in. When you find a thumb drive, you shouldn't plug it into, like, your home computer where you're logged into stuff, right? Like, we've all heard this. You firewall stuff. I guess data, fine. You want him to be physically plugged in because this is a visual medium. and You're going to have a, a blinky light and so forth. Wonderful. Beautiful. I guess they have data also physically plugged into, like, the whole ship system. Like, I would have thought, like, look, Captain, here's our Mac Mini that we've plugged him into. Nobody's on Wi-Fi here, so if Lore wants to take over the system, the most he's going to do is turn this lamp on and off, not have complete access to the system. 
which I, I don't know if I'm being overly nitpicky. I know like the story needs to go where the story needs to go, but Pete, would you plug lore into your whole computer, the computer that keeps gravity on and keeps the cold death of space on the outside, et cetera, et cetera? Or would you firewall lore to just be plugged into the lamp in the same room? It feels repetitive to say that we have these conversations where, I mean, you just did it with the phaser that, you know, a line of dialogue cures a lot of ills. Um, and not for the sake of exposition, but merely not to paint your story into a corner. And all right, you're in lowered power. You plug him in. He gains access because he does that. Yeah, it it does seem curious that they would take the robot they all fear and give him potentially access. Vatic whistles hot cross buns as Beverly confronts her in a hermetically sealed force field to prevent her from slipping away about why she wants Jack. Uh, she tells her she's questioning her oath as a physician when Picard joins them uh, and tells uh, her they know what she stole and what they intend to do with it. Beverly tells Vatic they know about the changelings evolved physiology and Vatic asks them uh, if they know about Jack's, which she tells them is not for uh, them either, not for her or for them. Talk turns to the Dominion War virus as the bridge listens in. Uh, Vatic points out Starfleet voted not to give them the cure, which one of their own, Odo, brought them. Um, she got her abilities, it turns out, from Starfleet. Partially intercut with this is uh, Jordy saying that the systems are indeed falling to lore. Jack and Sydney's situation only getting worse as the uh, the the baddies pound on the the uh, the force field there. Uh, but Vada continues to talk about Project Proteus, the music of her torturer, not just the the whistling, but also in a really wonderful and evocative scene, the music of the squeaky wheel, the the boots on concrete and so forth. Uh, we see. Why is there told, concrete on this station? <laughs> um, yeah, that did that did cross my mind. I, maybe, Pete, it's not a station in space. It's a concrete poor building on a planet. Um, overall, I agree with you. The, how about the, the the boots on the ground as opposed to boots on the concrete? Um, we see that Vatic took her face from this scientist here. Painful experiments uh, done in order to uh, turn these captured changelings into weapons uh, slash to learn more about them. The perfect monster was created. Pete, what I will call the Uber changelings here. Uh, Vatic can pass it on to any other changeling who may choose to accept it. Uh, it means a shorter life, but with greater powers. And with those greater powers, she will take Picard's family. 
Yeah, she asks um, Beverly if she's prepared to lose another son. Um, Federation took her family, so she's going to take theirs. As the S.H.I.E.L.D. regulators fail, Sydney tells her father they have to beam her and Jack out. And Jordy tries to talk to Data, and Laura tells him he's gone. Beverly tells Picard Vatic is too calm and confident, pointing to a plan, and Picard agrees. Jordy tells Data tearfully how he made him better, and his death broke him, but his memory healed him. And Picard brandishes a phaser as Beverly confesses she thinks she's losing her ethical compass in order to protect their son. Lore admits Jordy's appeals to Data are very powerful, uh, and all he wants is survival. He gains full control of the ship and the force fields drop. Batik almost inexplicably slinks past Picard and Beverly and up into a light slash vent while being the recipient of at least three successful shots while we are in an episode where Jack was able to shoot at uh to shoot at one of the one of the goons who I think we can yes we can definitively say the goons are changelings right because we see later on goons shot in the head and they come back and we see them in the turbo lift and the bridge in a little bit so i i i don't know i i don't know um i do know this pete the jack and sydney fight their baddies um wonderful i would say acceptable story flourish here that jack and sydney have been kept separate though now there's a baddie with each of them uh again here jack shoots his the other ultimately gets hands on sydney Jack red eyes her and then seems to sink with her. Um, is it him telling her through the telepathic link? Is it him, you know, somewhat taking over? But uh, we very clearly see as he is saying, now roll, now punch and so forth, that we also see in, in the physical choreography that their their motions are synced up, helping her fight until she too takes out her baddie, which again, if they're changelings, then punch to the head is not as bad as some of the other stuff but i'm not going to linger there pete take us to data who's really going to return here uh jordy gets data to open the door after sydney has subdued vatic's commander um and then vatic approaches whistling they run and the commander rises beverly accesses the project Proteus info to reveal the formula the changelings were exposed to contained Thelomium 847, which Picard says will allow them to track them. And he alerts Shaw they're on deck nine so they can stop them from reaching the bridge. A fierce firefight ensues and Shaw loses his crewmates only to have her commander play possum and toss him in the turbo lift that he falls out of bloodied as they take the bridge. Vatic tells seven to open a channel addressing the Titan. 
Jack and Sydney reach sick bay as she sits in the captain's chair, announcing herself captain of the Titan to tell Jack it's time to learn who he truly is. Pete, we have an incoming threat analysis here. Let's start start with not Tuvok. Listen, I can fully respect them reaching for this character. I'm overjoyed that Tim Russ got this work and to see him back. But as you indicated, it is really dampened by the fact that it is a changeling imitating this beloved character. And I would be less concerned about that if not for the fact that you told me, Pete, that in ready room footage, uh, Will Wheaton was saying, you know, prepare to have your socks knocked off by next week's major cameo. Redacted face. Fair's fair, okay? He's the interview guy for their after show. He is not the promotional chieftain. Um, But, like, maybe a less is more approach. And, hey, you know, as usual, we'll have guests. Not that I'm going to redact who the guest is to make it seem even bigger. Yeah, and I think... I mean, many, many people, myself included, you know, watched Voyager, enjoyed it and so forth. I, again, I mean, Tuvok to me is not a top tier cameo. Great to see him. Unfortunate that uh, we don't see the real Tuvok here. It, uh, not Tuvok implying that Tuvok is dead. I would say hopefully there's a quick little. Are you saying it's Tuvocative? <laughs> it definitely is Tuvocative. Hopefully between now and the end of the last episode, there's some sort of like, and they did rescue the real Tuvok that uh, day. I need to see real Tuvok be like, Seven, thank you. Like, that has to happen now. You can't give us this one and not give us the okay. <laughs> it, it wasn't implied. It was explicit. They have him. <laughs> Uh, Pete, another threat, uh, deliciously performed yet again by Amanda Plummer. We see Vatic here, a range of emotions, motivations, and indeed lovely speech at the end where she's, you know, she has the dialogue here that uh, many different rivers run to the sea. So though her initial plan did not work, here they are right where she wanted to be back when she first showed up. Yeah, and knowing that she's the intermediary looking to deliver Jack to this other party and having, you know, seven episodes out of 10 is the perfect time to give us her origin story. These changelings, these nine other changelings that she was, uh, you know, captured alongside and, you know, viciously experimented uh, on to, create this you know uh adversity we have lore as well and i think i i will praise the script again uh this notion of lore explaining in one sentence you know the enemy of my enemy he doesn't even finish the sentence just kind of like blah 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 like the rest um 
it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to add drama and there does need to be something that's going to render the ship from operable to inoperable so that the changelings can take <laughs> take over and so forth. Um, and as you said too, Pete, the the acting job done by Brent Spiner, particularly when he's shifting from character to character. Oh my God. But... I got to know, like, was that one take or is there some digital trickery there they they get him to kind of like you know snap back so something tells me and and that's fine it doesn't diminish the performance to do a, a jump cut or what have you but my goodness the alternating between you know the, the sweet data who's you know trying to get caught back up and this just malevolent lore who's so obsessed with picard's age uh we also have the face character which you know as we prepare for the final three episodes i think now is as good a time as any to a re restate the presence of the character also to you know in an episode we're going to find out what makes vatic different from most changelings to kind of uh highlight that difference and to have a you know, we, the face side, you, the Vatic side, uh, differentiation made, you know, all positive uh, additions to the story. Right. The distinction that they are different, which comes into clearer view in the course of this episode and that it harms her. Uh, so it's not so much I'm doing your bidding there's a fearful aspect to it. And I think we can all fear uh, the people that the bad guys fear. Lastly, Pete, this, another Star Trek episode, and I'm not saying that in a tired way, but another Star Trek episode that holds up the mirror to us, wondering if we are the threat. For Beverly to cite the Hippocratic Oath and her concern that she's going to fall away from it to protect Jack, to protect those that she loves, Picard, her crewmates, her friends. And then to put that together with how that was violated to create these rogue evolved changelings that is the best of Star Trek to look at. Wow, you know, torture, uh, you know, uh, dims the soul to turn you into this. And, you know, really, really effective, eloquent writing. Let's set our long-range sense oars toward some theories. Pete, you said that you've cracked the jack nut. Let's hear what it is. All right. Are you ready? Are you I'm sitting ready. down? I am. Okay. So Jack is hearing thoughts. He's been diagnosed terminally with eremotic syndrome, just like Dad. Uh, data plus says that that diagnosis is now in question. Um, what was the anomalous form, Matt, inside 
Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, I know I've seen the theory bandied about that perhaps the Picard body was taken due to Borg-type considerations, so perhaps something... Is there of, anomalous forms of Borg placed inside of him to speak for all Borg? Uh, the nanites. To make him some form of Lucutor? Um, so was that what you... Are, are you making a Borg connection? Are they doing what I've asked the universe not to do? Have another season of Star Trek defined by a Borg threat? Can I tell you who I think Face is? Sure. Locutus. How? How? Locutus in what sense? The the personality copied yes. back from the Borg. Okay. Yes, made made flesh. Um, that well made flesh here through the story of it needs to talk and I need the body and Jack, you need to make me a new body. Locutus died with Picard's body because of obviously the nature of sinking the synthetic with the organic. And when Jean-Luc Picard's body uh, died, Locutus was not uploaded into that golem. Therefore, uh, it needs a place to go. Uh, Jack, as the recipient of DNA from the organic Jean-Luc Picard with the Locutus identity along for the ride and the Borg nanites um, would have that. And I, I really, really believe this is where it's all going. I don't know if I'm 100% emotionally on board. However, I can't find fault with your timeline, your logic. Indeed. Uh, how else can he hear thoughts and then hack other people to do things? It, it seems Occam's razor tells us there's no other explanation. Indeed. And it also comes with the benefit of had Jack been conceived uh, during season two of TNG or, or, you know, with the Naked Now episode, season one, that predates the Borg episodes. Um, acting in a post best of both worlds uh, portion, indeed, you know, this, you know, Jack as a young whippersnapper at age 23 or whatever he's supposed to be, um, clearly is a, you know, in a post Borg scenario, indeed, multiple Borg adventures and so forth. So, Again, while I part of me like does not want to believe it, I can't find fault with the logic. And Pete, if we can't be logical about Star Trek, then 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 what? I just don't see another way for it to go. What other big bad are you going to put out there that's going to menace the changelings and want a Picard body and need Jack to be able to put it all together? And then, Matt, have all of the Federation in one place at one time so you can infect them all. In ships that are interconnected? Yeah. Like, congratulations, writers. You you know, story structure isn't predictable. It's there for a reason. And seven-tenths of the way through to now reveal into the final act, Matt, what the end game i mean come on it's the reason why let me tell you what you are jack fade to black see you next week 
one thing, Pete, that we, I guess, should no longer be anticipating, uh, courtesy of social media, courtesy of Terry Madalus, you know, in the last couple of days, essentially, and this is not a direct quote, but the, the thrust of his tweet essentially was, whoa, 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 why you guys think James T. Kirk is coming back just because we did the first new thing to the character since 1994, <laughs> and depending on how one interprets the you know the brief little easter egg there maybe he's alive and in stasis or whatever or like all those question marks it was like whoa 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 terry madeles just wanted to take the guy out of being buried from underneath the pile of rocks why would you guys think the still alive william shatner is going to show up in this season of star trek lower your expectations uh, pete that might too be a situation where it's like terry i just could have lived with the hope and if kirk does not show up between now and uh april 20th then i'd say peter goes so he didn't have william shatner show up versus it was a good theory that then now got wiped away in between episodes by the showrunner does it make sense from a story and lore standpoint lowercase lore not the you know evil uh personality lore that they would remove that they would disinter James T. Kirk's remains to protect them. Yeah, I I suppose it does with everything we know about this franchise and genre. That being said, when you show them to people <laughs> and then say, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean I didn't mean he could the return. You 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 kind of made this situation. Yeah, and to then uh, to then further explain, well, I Terry Madalus just didn't want him buried in rocks anymore. I wanted to do better by him, and I can because I run the show. Like, yeah, you also then made us think because you know, again, I stand by what I've said a couple of times, including last week. It's beautiful that William Shatner's still with us. Nothing lasts forever. Strike me if you're years old, man. Yeah, if if you okay. are so inclined, still blocking people on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> still having an assistant block people on Twitter, but menacing Elon Musk that he's not going to pay eight to eleven dollars, depending on whether he has the mobile or the uh, desktop Twitter, Matt, to bring what he brings to Twitter. So. I guess if nothing else, Pete, in this theory segment, we can notch that one off the list because I think I'll be, I will be annoyed if now then Kirk <laughs> and Shatner show up after Madalus has said, don't anticipate that. Um, it so certainly seems shot down and, you know, my reference to the, the well-done novel and, and uh, Madalus acknowledging that the return, um, but yeah, I, I think that one's gone by the boards. So what's left as a as a hail Mary, Matt? What what is a desperate save? And well, I, it's not it's not one; it's multiple. Yeah, I, I well, a couple of thoughts. One is, I think at this point we're playing by Beetlejuice rules. If they say Janeway's name again, she's going to have to appear. <laughs> now, Matt, I think it was Madalus, but you know, show people have said, no, Janeway is just a prodigy person at this point. 
if you want to say that is playful lying and she's going to show up like again she's men- been mentioned so many times at this point i know it's organic to uh seven talking to what she thought was then real tuvok yes um but at this point i kind of I will be delighted you have to say her name. You can't just say, have you spoken to the Admiral? Yeah. What, what Admiral you have one to your left and the, every other Admiral in Starfleet is evil. <laughs> um, so you do have to say her name. Uh, I, I can't not side with you at this point that it, it seems like that is preordained um matt the the haliest mary of of all though would be the cisco it would be uh as we've discussed it comes with the notion that uh you know the avery brooks has said my time in star trek was great the end not spending a lot of time looking back not going to sit down for the the d space nine documentary etc etc it is far from impossible, but I don't know. The the notion that they could the notion that they got Tim Russ by calling him up and saying, Would you like to do this? And he said, Yes, come in for what I would assume is a day of costume and makeup fitting and a day of filming. Um, I would get the sense that Avery Brooks would probably say no to that. It would have for him to be wooed over, it wouldn't be him being coy, it would be full on here is this lovely, beautiful story that will speak to everything that you hold dear about Star Trek, your time in it, your larger connection to the world, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know that that, I don't know that that exists in a place for the character slash the actor and all of that. Um, I will point out, I saw a theory online. Maybe the face is Sila, you know, the half Romulan, half human uh, offspring of, of uh tasha yar i do know that in the past i have i have fumbled the data or maybe maybe it's not my fault pete maybe the data has changed but the notion that tasha appears in this season but denise crosby may not um i think undercuts the notion of sila but i figure i'll get it in there since you probably have uh cracked the whole Son of Lacutus situation here. Let, let me throw my own hail Mary and say the face is Sila somehow. I I don't dislike it. Um, further distinction has been made that the the character is referenced. Um, okay. I mean, we've not heard anything yet, and. We know that Denise Crosby was not at the premiere. Okay, what does that mean too? Like, it it's become a Hollywood tradition to have people at the premiere, uh, unannounced cast, and frequently people read the tea leaves and oh my God, Darth Maul actor is at Solo. Darth Maul is in Solo and comes to pass. Um, so yeah. So, so are you proposing, Pete, that maybe Star Trek is playing 4D chess? And it was like, <laughs> Denise, as you know, it's common courtesy slash part of contract or whatever. As you know, you warrant an invite 
but we want to play a game. Here's more money for you to not only keep quiet about not showing up at the premiere, but we want you to publicly complain uh, about the fact that all your friends got invited and you didn't. So that way it'll really trick those people for when you show up in a dramatic reveal in the final three episodes. Like, that's where I feel like I, I wholeheartedly agree that, hey, hey, Marvel, hey, Star Wars, maybe you maybe you want to figure that out. Maybe Ray Park deserves the insider invite to the solo premiere because he's in it. And that's just what one does to sit and say, in addition to the money we gave you and the thanks we gave you on set, we fly you from your home. We put you up in a hotel and you get a nice dinner and probably like you kind of get pampered. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Maybe at a certain point, there is a technique, a PR technique to be like, or take the $100,000 and stay home and we get to trick everybody for, you know, because otherwise the nerdiest nerds are going to figure out the Earth the premiere. Maybe Star Trek is doing that. I, I suspect not here, not with how she was uh, kind of vocal about the lack of an invite. Yeah, to the point where it seemed critical, mm, not yes. in a... What's up? Yeah, I, I would completely agree. Like it was. Yeah, not not in a magnanimous way. Like they offered, I couldn't make it, or you know, schedules or what have you. I mean, geez, Matt, at least it wasn't. Hey, traveled two hours for the big Yellowstone Paley Center talk, and then pay a hundred dollars and wait. Who's there? Um, you of course referencing the. Uh, Yellowstone panel at Paley LA yesterday where I think one can infer due to the Kevin Costner will he leave is as he officially leaving is he angry is it this is it that that not only did he not show up but many people didn't show up and they said oh you know schedule um not a good look Matt, um not a good what look Paramount plus PR problem well to be fair Pete that's the Paramount network which is completely different <laughs> and in case you're interested in checking out yellowstone on the paramount network made by paramount global um you of course can watch it on what streamer peacock <laughs> nope it's on peacock because rights the 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 the, the spinoffs are on paramount it's Pe times are weird man bring it back to star trek here what's another theory that you have about something that will happen in these three episodes i'll, I'll share one more theory kevin costner will not appear in the next three episodes of star trek picard boom i'm in the winning column what do you have the changelings seem to not be able to transport um i feel like that was right in front of me and i had not made that connection i would agree not that Vatic um, has to remind them, hey, guys, remember, we can't transport um, that somehow they could be blocked, isolated, separated, unconstituted, whatever the story needs it to do in order to sideline or, you know, uh capture them and you know that's one of those lines where it's like i can forgive it because writing because story like if you of course these people wouldn't remind each other about their inability to transport but if you need to remind the audience that the fake goo people can't go in the fake you know light display and end up in another fake light display like th that's part of 
it's fiction and I can appreciate that it's fiction versus Jack phaser kills people in one shot or Jack misses three times or Picard and Beverly are like time to make the kill and shoot them with the tickle, the tickle Ray setting. And Oh, she got away. Um, but yeah, I, I, Pete, let me ask you this. Do you think changeling transporter type stuff? Will that be an issue in the next three episodes? Oh, undoubtedly. What are the theories do you have? I can really give them credit. So uh, Seven and Tuvok did play Kalto, Matt. They played it but once on a screen uh, so that they reached for that and used it amidst all the intrigue. Is he, isn't he, only to have it be the other stuff uh you know the location she picks as where there were uh anti colonar displays that he was the one who had fixed her neural implant that was the attention to detail we've come to expect when we have fans who are writing and running these shows yeah and uh, i mean look that that moment needs its own you know uh things are okay question mark things are okay things are better wait now it's falling apart so you know you want to tell me that there was a whole bunch of kalto gameplay off screen i mean that does track you know one voyager per week versus the people in the world of voyager lived every day as 24-hour days and, and all of that um that works and honestly that's less to sit and go no actually i beat you you beat me like that's less of a great smoking gun than um you know the mind meld and not picking up on the planet like we we have this this double shot fired here that's that's uh what sinks not tuvok speaking of doubles are we going to wind up with a doppelganger picard in an attempt to take control of Starfleet on Frontier Day. Well, here's the thing. Picard says they've taken the body to make a doppelganger of him for Frontier Day. Picard intuits that they want Jack for like the live blood with the fake body or or however that's, you know, however that's being put together. This is Picard's theory. It's not necessarily the plan. In fact, um, it's a subtle moment, but when he's revealing all this to Vatic, it's kind of like, you know, we know this and we intuit that. He's not even selling it. I don't think it's meant to be sold to we, the audience, as I, you know, here's the blueprints. Um, so there's there, there's that in terms of do, do I think it's going to come to pass? Add to it, um, if there are changelings on every ship, do they really need a fake Picard to do to sit and go and hereby I ribbon cut. Now let's do fleet maneuvers. Everyone warp to the left, warp to the right, you know, versus something worse, which I think might be your locutus, you know, Oh wait, all the greens are turning to red. What we're losing control, uh, etc. Is this Jack Sydney connection? You know, some people have called the, the, the shippers mad have labeled them La crush. <laughs> oh, I like that. I really is, like that. Is the La Crush 
connection a way to either defeat such a plot or ad- advance that that it wouldn't just be uh technological that it would be i i guess this is supernatural telepathic uh where by he controlled if not guided her physically it does seem you know through the lens of the the locutus theory it does seem like you know kind of an organic uh networking you know an, an organic borging if you will um i i would say too both of these characters being non-legacy characters is there the opportunity between now and the end of the season for a you know kill your darlings one of them gets killed off and the hurt hurts uh i know that, that would run contrary to you know hey this entire season is actually just a setup to you know season four aka star trek legacy aka star trek titan um if we take word at word where, where things are where where you know nobody's a dummy and everybody's leaving open the possibility of more but that doesn't mean that that's part and parcel you know the plan could one of them be killed off i suppose either could you know as a diehard geordie fan i'd hate for him to lose a daughter and all of that but that's a possibility too that they're you know what they are building up they're building to knock down with that pete let's open hailing frequencies hailing frequencies open sir Pete, we start with the Twitter poll in which the options were this. One black hole stuck in a black hole, 2.4%. Two black holes slow to impulse, 4.8%. Three black holes, the journey continues, 31%. Four black holes, stellar, 61.9%, almost 62%. Uh, Some replies on Twitter. First one here from Heather, that's at uh, Shawa. Uh, no one pronounces Picard's name better than his enemies. Vatican Q, take the gato. Uh, loved the sinister story of her human form. We're getting closer to the answer of something's up with Jack. Uh, this season is paced perfectly. Next beat, we hear from Diana Bodenberg at Diana Bodenberg. Uh, seeing Tuvok was awesome, even though he was fake. Pete, let me pause our words for a second there. If indeed we don't get a Tuvok update or if Tuvok is dead or which I'm not advocating for, but I love that Diana is reflecting on, we got more of Tim Russ who has entertained us through all these years and in four Star Trek series uh, and, and all of that. And essentially saying huzzah Tim Russ and all the good times of Tuvok. Listen, you, you can't look the gift in the mouth. But the way that you've left the character in in peril needs to be resolved. Um, By the way, Pete, to go back to Heather's tweet for a second, she concluded her tweet with the pinched finger emoji. You know, the like, ooh, that tastes so good. I mentioned that because that's how Diana's about to wrap up her tweet. It's not a Vulcan nerve pinch? Uh, I I guess not. But (laughs) Diana says Jack possibly betazoid with telepathy. Wasn't uh, Loxana able to do that with Troy? Zombie Riker was pinched finger emoji. Um, on to Spider-Ham Lincoln, who says, damn, but fake Tuvok was fun. Omitting Riker, Troy, Worf, and Rafi. Mysterious Jack is still a mystery. Is he something more than human? Neutralize lore, please, Data. I want another TNG-centric cameo. O'Brien, where art thou? 
no conspiracy bugs yet. Uh, Pete, I would say the sun is setting on the conspiracy bugs. I would say the sun is not setting on O'Brien. We did not mention him as a Hail Mary. You want to show, I mean, O'Brien, mostly a Deep Space Nine character, but at home on Star Trek Next Generation. Gotta have O'Brien, right? Uh, Listen, that, it's funny we didn't mention him, but, you know, now that the character really uh, elevated even further by Lower Decks, uh, albeit in, you know, animation and in a flash forward as the most important character in Starfleet history, like, all right, reach for it. Last tweet, Pete, JT Atkins, JTA's me, says, I love the variety of tones in this show. 306 is very sweet and nostalgic. Now 307 is filled with danger, mystery, and action. Loving this ride on the crazy starship. Pete, to the email inbox we go. We're going to hear now from Josefina Avalos, who says, This episode had my hopes up in seeing Janeway. I started the show on my phone, watching the app and multitasking in the kitchen. I tell you what, when I heard Tuvok's voice, I dropped everything and ran to see my screen. <laughs> Seeing Tuvok talk to Seven was so cool. Notice that when she first tested him, the Voyager theme song played. Too bad it wasn't really him. Another Janeway reference, uh, I might add. And that was pretty much it. This episode felt like it was just unorganized. They planned a cat and mouse trap, but not how to dispose of them. Go. I'm with Vatic uh, on how disappointing the interrogation went. I get that they were trying to capture her to get a sample of the DNA to learn how to identify a fake from real. They just didn't plan for the worst case scenario. The actress that plays Sydney was so good during her fighting scene. When that huge bad guy shoved her face into the shield, Sydney knew the assignment. I was curious once what it would feel like to touch a force field. Thanks for the demonstration, Sid. <laughs> Looks like a shocking experience. I didn't watch all of D-Space 9, so I'm not too familiar with the Dominion War and the virus slash cure. This is all new and interesting to me. I thought it was sort of silly how the bad scientist was all whistle while we work, uh, while she poked at crystals and stirred liquid in test tubes. Vatic basically gave Crusher the answer she needed to learn how to track changelings. Then they had a chance to shoot her in liquid form, but missed entirely, much like a stormtrooper. At uh, at uh, track number 34 of the show, uh, 34 minutes, zero seconds, and beyond, everything was filmed beautifully. We had Jordy getting his emotional closure with his BFF, I'm not crying you are when he begs for Data to come back and help save Sydney. The dramatic music, the use of lighting, camera angles, grunts and screams, tears, oh my. Was Michael Bay directing? Just kidding, that was a little over the top. Did you see Captain Liam cry, though? Probably because the filming uh, was uh, beautiful up until Vatic gave her corny speech and ruined everything. I didn't like the plot of the episode. I think that they made the characters a little naive in combat slash tactical training. For example, when they shot the big bad guy, why didn't he vaporize? Don't turn your back till he turns to ashes. I don't know. They basically gave the ship to Vatic. I thoroughly enjoyed the acting from the LaForge family. Interesting to find out that Jack can be a puppet master and take control of others. Let's see where this goes. Awesome to see more motorcycle jacket style uniforms. Still Team Janeway. And with that, I'll leave you with... I'll, Pete, I'll change the wording here slightly. Gosh darn it, Laura, let her go. Semper Fi, that from Josephina. There was a wonderful featurette put out about the costuming and uh, Josephina's reference here to the to the motorcycle uniforms and things like that. And they really break down the choices and uh, 
Jonathan Frakes, who references wearing many spacesuits, talking about uh, these being the most comfortable uh, and proof of it because he would wear them between takes. Wow. To uh, to Stacy, we go now, Pete, uh, who sent in an email. First of all, I want to say thank you to Pete for saying you appreciate my stream of consciousness style commentary. Your time couldn't have been better because I was feeling a little self-conscious about it and almost didn't send last week's email. Of course, now having said that, this episode was harder to do that with. So much talk, talk, talk. Oh, the old age trick of hiding in a junkyard. Tuvok. Oops, not Tuvok. Good on Seven for her due diligence, verifying his identity. Two-factor authentication. Phew, that's it. Last straw. We're on our own. I appreciate Beverly's dilemma. How far do we go to stop evil? Do we sink to their level? Questioning her morals, rethinking do no harm, losing her compass. It's very real. Doppelganger Jean-Luc. Don't we already have one of those? Wow, Brent Spiner. No words. Bouncing back and forth from Data to Lore seamlessly. So, so good. Of course, Lore justifies his archness as an answer to Starfleet's annoying morality. He keeps commenting on how old Picard looks. I wonder how he'd, how he'd feel if he saw himself in a mirror. Shots fired there. Uh, oh, the Eumotic Syndrome was an incorrect diagnosis. What is Picard? What is Jack? Yikes, the head can control Vatic's form. I don't like that one bit. This scene with Jack and Sydney is weird. He's being straightforward. Want to come over and hang out? She wants, what? To hold his hand first? Whoa, mind reading now too? Why do people keep asking Picard obvious questions? Yes, Jack doesn't know how it, uh, does know how it feels to have people put their lives in the line for him. He's a ship captain for Pete's sake. More self-awareness from Jack. Loves a fair fight uh, or when he's the one cheating. Uh, oh, look, uh, Vatic looking dead uh, in the water. Now Jack is bait. Uh, woo, close call all around. Now Jack and Sydney are trapped too. Of course, Lore is going to mess with things. Did you forget that you have him hooked to the ship, Jordy? This whole conversation with Vatic, so much information, yet so many questions still unanswered. This was well done. Vatic explaining what happened to her with the flashbacks. Very creepy. Starfleet did this? Starfleet made new changelings? Oh, wow, the face of her torturer. Amanda Plummer, she's freaking fantastic. Okay, seriously, I know we need Vatic to not be killed yet, but are Beverly and Jean-Luc really such bad shots? Jack in control, there's two, just Sydney or anyone. Data, he's stronger than you think, Laura. Jordy appealing to Data's memories of friendship work, uh, work after all. Oh, crap, they have the bridge. When she said, I am Vatic, she sounded like she was trying to convince herself. But then she said, Captain of the USS Titan with more conviction. Ah, what is it? What's the deal with Jack? I can't stand it. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Phew, okay. They better tell us next week because I can't stand the suspense. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. That from Stacy, a.k.a. Stingray, a.k.a. TrekGirl88 on Twitter for as long as Twitter remains to be a thing. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm glad that uh, I heartened you to send your um, feedback there. So please, and, and everybody, we love hearing your thoughts. Pete, let's now hear the thoughts of Admiral Fred from the Netherlands, who I think, I think is not a changeling. Hello, Matt and Pete, and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 7. First, coming back to last week's podcast, I was referring to an episode of Fringe where there were also changelings, and Pete said... And bringing up Fringe here, co-produced by Alex Kurtzman, 
the changelings there had a device you had to place into the roof of the mouth of the person you were mimicking. I have to say, respect, Pete. I assume you didn't look that up. It was just knowledge by heart. It was exactly true. And Fringe had 100 episodes. I bow to you for your library in your head about genre and sci-fi knowledge. Perhaps that brain is positronic and we just all don't know it. Okay, going into this week's episode, episode 7. I didn't watch The Ready Room yet where Tim Ross, who plays Tuvok, is a guest. So I'm looking forward to that. I really wonder, as many probably, if we will see the real Tuvok as well. When I saw him on the screen, I thought, those ears look more Romulan than Vulcan. They are so large. But yeah, on the other hand, the human oracle grows and grows. So these older actors just have larger ears. So they have to extend it on top of that. But on the other hand, perhaps the same is true for Vulcans. I checked some pictures of the older Spock in comparison to the younger Spock and of Sarek, Spock's father, who was an older Vulcan anyhow, and you indeed see it a little bit. As a whole, I'm a little ambivalent about this episode, and it is mainly due to the great role of Fedek here, played by Amanda Plummer, who does a marvelous job, I have to say. She really plays it very, very well. So well that I find it awful to watch all the time. So she has more or less the same kind of role as the Borg Queen. And how awful the Borg Queen was, especially the performance by Alice Creek, who played mainly in the movies, whereas Suzanne Thompson played in Voyager. Alice Creek had something sensual, something seductive. And the same is true for the performance by the sadly recently deceased Annie Wershing, who played the Borg Queen in this series Picard. And that is what is not present in Vadek. So actually, Amanda Plummer does it so well that it's repulsive, more or less. And of course, that's the role, but it is not fun to watch that for too long. And she has quite some extensive monologues here. Or am I a too sensitive soul now? Last topic is what is happening to Jack? Or actually, what is Jack? I mean, these reddish eyes, these kind of plant-like structures you see, the way he connects to Sydney. What happened to this guy? Is this is this inborn or is this acquired? What happened to him? These reddish eyes remind me, by the way, very much of the series Ragnarok, not the movie. I don't know if you have seen that. It's a Norwegian series on Netflix. Okay, time's up. That will be all for this time. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, or should I say Positronic Pete, uh, your <laughs> thoughts there on some of Fred's wisdom? Just a big Fringe fan, man. That's that's how I remembered that detail. And I, I think that writers return to similar ideas. Um, I mean, certainly the changeling idea is not just unique to things that Alex Kurtzman's involved in. 
um, and was not involved with Deep Space Nine. But uh, thank you for the compliment, Fred. It is interesting to 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 have heard Fred think through the notion of how Vatic is similar yet different with uh, threats like the Borg Queen. Indeed, marrying that up with if we do, if you are correct, Positronic Pete, that we are going to circle back to <laughs> the Borg. Please me that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we uh everybody on twitter hashtag positronic pete um but just this notion that not that i'm saying vatic will become a borg queen but if she is knowingly or unknowingly in league with the borg or borg technology and so forth just the notion that fred is picking up on perhaps a, a spiritual connection between the borg queen as a character and vatic and, and perhaps we might be circling to the borg uh, in reality and of course, Fred, like all of us, saying we want more of Jack's story as soon as we can get it. Uh, you talk about a Borg queen, Matt. What about a king or an emperor? Uh, I'll take whatever they got, especially if they want to. If they're going to land this season and tie it up with a nice bow, you know, even if I am slightly anti-Borg as a as a story, you know, as a story point, make it happen. If it's there to be done make it happen and pete making it happen week in and week out are those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek and our ongoing thanks to those who support us there everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content all sorts of levels to choose from but it takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door can't contribute right now no problem you can go over to apple podcasts and leave us a rating or a review to help us out just as much and pete let's keep the conversation going even though sometimes the twitter app and website are breaking down a little bit if only they had more engineers how can people be in touch with you on twitter you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-l-r-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 12,823 followers can't be wrong and while i'm personally on twitter is looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast you can comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. Don't forget the listener line. You can leave a text or voice message at 732-707-1815. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P and the H, all one word, like it today. Pete, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, we will be talking the latest Marvel info on Marvel Monday tomorrow, Secret Invasion date, uh, palace intrigue, who's out, who's in, and so forth uh, at, at Marvel Studios. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, of course, back next Star Wars Saturday for The Mandalorian and back here Star Trek Sunday for Picard episode 308. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word survival it's human nature pal <laughs>